Welcome, Dr. Chase Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is actually from the December 3rd, 19th Hobby Hotline. I mainly do the Saturdays, not the Tuesday evenings. Saturday mornings, 10 o'clock Central for me, along with Cousin Tony and Danny Black. We talked about a bunch of things. So this is just your opportunity to listen in on pre-grading, you know, and what do you do when you get cards if you're thinking about sending them grading and some of that stuff. So we had some thoughts back and forth. So here is the episode that you can listen to and enjoy if you didn't hear it on Hobby Hotline a few weeks ago. So thanks, everybody. Here it is. I'm not a Montgomery Club member because every time it's been introduced, it sells out. They limit how many people get in. Now, I understand they had overpriced this last year. and Now they've reset the price. Here's the other thing they've done. They've opened a window. So they're not going to sell out this year. At least I don't think they will. Okay. This is the future. This is your opportunity to be direct to fanatics. You can join the membership. You make your decision. It's not an investment advice, but you have an opportunity to get products early on and decide what you want to do with them and give your feedback directly. So I encourage people to look at the Montgomery Club. It also cuts out all the middlemen. Basically, the bandwagon effect for all these vaults is making you get the feeling that everybody's vaulting because everybody's advertising in all these vaults that it must be a good deal because everybody's doing it. That's how America gets in trouble when everybody's doing something and it looks like it's okay because everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it because it's lucrative and it works, but nobody's holding a gun to anybody's head. Hopefully they're going to make good choices of where they go. And when a company gets in trouble or they're possibly going to go bankrupt, and I believe there will be less bankruptcies, but I think there will be acquisitions. And we shouldn't think that a bad brand cannot be acquired, that it just needs to go in the dumpster because they have customers. The customers are not necessarily bad. If a company's messed up and they're going to be maybe bankrupt, there's going to be some larger player in the industry that's going to acquire the assets and the customers of that brand, and they're going to quietly dump that brand in the toilet, but they're going to keep the business aspect of it, and they're going to rescue that brand but throw it away. On the Montgomery Club, this is a fanatics-influenced movement of Montgomery Club being less exclusive and more being just direct to consumer. So they've chopped the price in half or whatever they've done. They're all about getting more names and uh, buying histories and things like that. This is predictable. And I agree, everybody should consider it. I don't think there will necessarily be a a cutoff, whether it's 10,000 or 100,000. Would, would, the collector might be upset that his Montgomery Club set doesn't have extra value because there's so many of them, but fanatics would be overjoyed to get money to get customers and their preferences that they can cross market to other things. I keep hearing people talk about tops and tops decision. Guys, tops is is fanatics. There's no more tops decisions. There's no more tops programs. Everything related to tops is a fanatics entity. So all these decisions that tops are making, if you don't like fanatics, but you like tops, just remember they are the same thing at this point. They're not necessarily the same people. That's the thought. Fanatic card aspect, the new entity, and then there's fanatics memorabilia. And Fanatics Memorabilia is way more visible right now because they're the ones doing all the auctions and all that stuff. And so I think they're letting Tops do what they do. Now, if they make additional acquisitions and they have more than one card company, then it'll be interesting to see how they organize that. But Tops has 70 years of history. They do what they do. So they're going to be course correcting, but it's going to be, like I said, toward having more customers. (laughs) And so these sets that you're buying in the Montgomery Club if they're half price what they were before, but you can't flip them, that was part of the allure. 
how do you think that conversation works with fanatics and tops where they just, okay, we're going to let you do your thing, but we'll lean on you a little bit like this. It's not leaning. It's just saying, we want you to increase your market share and mind share. We want mm -hmm. more customers because if they're going to double or 10 times the hobby, they need more customers. So lowering the price, still you're buying something that's very high profit margin. You're just stamping some regular cards and then you're putting yeah. a, a sapphire coating or something on other ones. So you're not really doing a lot of creative other than these are just a slight variation. I think they should add the hobby hotline cards to the Montgomery collection. Exactly. We need bring back the value. They need to be chromed. They need to be chromed oh, or, or prisoned or something. For the record, that's overdue. I want to talk to our, our hobby hotline manufacturer. We deserve a, a prism, a chrome, yeah. and definitely parallel. Yeah, well, he's a real mensch. You <laughs> talk to him and see if you can convince him. Thank you, Dr. Beckett. John well, Newman and I are launching a new podcast called Card Menches Subgraders. We were talking about the vaults earlier, but subgraders play this in-between role, and I know more people are getting into the subgrading. Uh, when you submit cards for grading, do you like to do it in person with a subgrader? Do you mail them in? Directly, do you go to a pre-screener? Each person needs to look in the mirror and say, here's what I know and here's what I don't know. If you're a good grader yourself, then go ahead and you don't need a pre-screener to pay that extra fee or that extra step if you can grade. But most people can't. They miss things because of the rose-colored glasses or whatever. So I am not a good enough grader. On the other hand, if I'm submitting a card that is not going to be a problem if it's a grade lower than what I think. In other words, if you're submitting a Jordan rookie and it comes back a seven, you didn't waste your grading fee. But there are certain cards that are more plentiful, certainly base cards. If it comes back even a nine, you maybe didn't even break even on your grading fee. You can get a double whammy there, Danny. When you get back this modern card that's in a seven, number mm -hmm. one, the grading fee may be more than what the seven is worth. Yep. Further, the card in a seven holder is worth less than a raw card. So, exactly. so you've got a double jeopardy there. If you crack it out, you have a chance of injuring yourself too. Or the card, and then you're deciding if you're resubmitting it and paying again. It just piles on. The cleaning and prepping of modern cards has become a much bigger topic recently. I'm retired now. Coming up on 18 years of having sold the company, but when we started BGS, the industry norm is you grade the card as submitted. But I'm wondering if one of the graders announced they were going to help you prep, clean the cards they're sent in, which is done with comics and done in a lot of other fields that are grading. If one of the companies announced they were going to do it, they would be blasted. And it would, then every card that they graded before, during, or after would be regarded as maybe they've touched this one up in some way, even though it would all be legally. What I think will happen is that I think one of the grading companies will start quietly doing that because it allows you to give higher grades for something that's a minor dust, a, a blower to suck all the dust off the card. They're not touching it with hands. They're not putting any chemicals on it. So I think some of these companies are going to quietly just take their white gloves, but they're not going to talk about it because it's going to make it look like they're cheating when in reality, there's nothing illegal about it. Now, some chemicals, that's additive, that's restoration, mm -hmm. that's anytime you got chemicals. But I've used saliva. I had a little bit of a wax residue. I licked my finger and wiped it off and then did a microfiber cloth. 
It's my card. I don't know that I got them out of a pack, but they're in my collection. And I submit them. I'm doing it. If BGS did that for me, it would really slow down the process. But they'd have a happy customer. I'd get a grade or two higher without the wax residue on the front end. Would we have a pre and post cleaning grading disparity? Any company that did that, all their grading would be suspect if it became known that they did this prepping. And it would be looked at as an unfair advantage, which I don't think it is. Because there's companies setting up to do that. And they're taking a fee for doing that. If BGS said, we're going to start prepping your cards, it's an extra five bucks. Some people would sign up for that. But for every person that signed up for it, there'd be a hundred that said, how dare you do that? How do you feel about the aspect of a card that's not visible to the naked eye in the grading process where it's blown up? I don't know, 300x. Are we talking about fingerprint or scratch? Because I do feel different. Just, you can't see it to the naked eye, but then it's blown up. In grading, the point is that they see more than the naked eye can. So that's part of the grading to me is that it's going a step beyond the naked eye. But to me, there's also a difference between a fingerprint and a scratch. It's one thing to wipe off a fingerprint if you find it, and another one to actually deal with a scratch, which I think crosses a line. In 2023, this will come to a head because that is one of the concerns about computerized, like TAG and, and others that are doing computerized grading where there's no human intervention, because there's two criticisms of computerized grading. One is it won't be good enough, and two, that it'll be too good. And the too good aspect is you'll be able to see with this incredible magnification things that no human eye could see, and why should we be penalized for that when you can't see it? Even though there'll be a digital report that, hey, there's unevenness in the surface, That's that'll be something TAG and those others doing that and any of the traditional graders moving more into automated evaluation. If it's too good, I don't think collectors want that. They don't want to be downgraded for something they could never see. It's the reason we did the report card, because collectors want to know why they got their grades. And if you got an so, eight on surface and it's nothing that anybody can see, or it's a fingerprint that could easily be wiped off, it probably doesn't take it down to an eight, but it's, you know. Grading is inconsistent. It's an opinion. If you automate it, is it going to be more consistent? But is it going to be to the point where these super machines are now picking the cards apart where there's no shot at getting tens, nines? Everything's just going to be. Well, you're, you're going to get a 993. That's true, yeah. But to get a thousand, <laughs> yeah. I just don't even. But you get a 10 page yeah. report with it. Yeah. Dr. Becker, 2022 and 2023. We led off with the. Mergers, acquisitions, teamwork, partnerships, things like that. The benefit of that, regardless of what you call it, gives those entities more joint marketing muscle and budget and interest in really trying to get more customers for their bigger entity. So I think that bodes well. I think we're going to have more collectors and activity in 2023 than we did in 2022 just because of that. So that's healthy. There's some very strong players in our industry. Fanatics is going to continue to market, and their business plan requires a double-digit increase in the number of collectors next year. And they're going to put their money where their mouth is, because that's part of it. I think all these other entities we've talked about, they're going to get a piece of it, 
And everybody wants to make the pie bigger, and then they want to get the biggest. Fanatics announced they're opening a store at Oriole Park in my hometown. But for those of you who haven't seen, they don't great, but they actually slab their own card with the Fanatics slab. So when you talk about merchandise, I'm actually going to call their slabs under that merchandise title. So I expect the Fanatics store not to sell baseball cards traditionally, but there could be not just the uniforms and the hats, but I could see a time where there's actually unopened wax and other things as part of the store not necessarily singles or things like that. People talk about junk slabs. And if they thought that a year ago, next year is going to be worse. There are going to be a lot of slabs out there. Fanatics is doing their own. But if you think of slabs, not just as a get rich quick scheme, but an anti-theft and a protective, then you can see why if Fanatics has cards in the Orioles team store at the ballpark or at Lids. It's harder to steal, and there's some anti-theft protection of a graded card or a sealed box than a loose card. I don't think they're going to have dollar boxes, even if they're dollar boxes of Orioles there. Another probably $2 million will be graded every month. Those cards have to go somewhere. They're not all going into collections. You'll see more and more, not dollar boxes, but 5 and $10 boxes of slabbed and $20 boxes of slabbed cards. So get ready and don't complain with grading prices being down. People are going to grade cheaper cards. They have that choice and they're going to make mistakes and they weigh a lot. You get increased muscles. The man.